Welcome back to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast. Today is the 31st of July, 2022. The last podcast I was explaining my experiences in Maine and how wonderful they were. And I, I believe that I will take the next week and uh, do podcasts on Salem, Massachusetts, Acadia National Park, and Bar Harbor, Maine. So I'm going to get to that starting tomorrow, but had a little bit of another adventure that dropped in my lap upon my return to Pennsylvania. So we got home, we left a little bit early, got home on Friday night, so we had the entire weekend to relax and kind of get back into the swing of things. Prior to our going on vacation, I had a friend contact me who was in rehab for drug use. And uh, I've known that my friend has had a problem like this for a long time decades, you know, one of the finest individuals I've ever known, one of my brothers I grew up with in New Jersey, talented, funny, intelligent, guy's got some stories to tell, I don't know. Never thought I'd run to somebody who had more stories than myself, but guys like a storybook unto himself. I just told me a few stories and listened to him like, holy shit, it's freaking amazing. It's crazy. So he was in uh, another state while we were going up to uh, Massachusetts and Maine. He was up there in Massachusetts at a rehab, and he desired to go away for a couple a month at least, you know, sufficient time to get the drugs out of his system, get his head right. I've learned about the rehab experience, what it's like. I knew that that there was a lot of counseling that takes place and some group therapies and some, you can exercise and you can think. So it's all kinds of cool self-care things. An interesting topic around that is that um, My friend says that if anybody, you think about it, if anybody had the time to just devote a month to their betterment, just say, imagine if you get, if as part of your insurance, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have good insurance these days, that you could just say, you know what, I'm going to go away for, uh, for a month. I'm going to go away next month. I just need to get my head right. I need to get... clear my mind and work on myself a little bit so that I can return and have these stresses off my plate. Whether that was a matter of addiction or some sort of psychological phenomenon. Now, you can do all this stuff. There are services, right? Let's say you go insane. You can go to, um, you know, a psychological rehab, right? Something like that. Trying to think of the place. 
down uh, the horse in the Horsham Clinic. You lose your, you know, get a screw loose or something, or you, you know, develop a psychosis. You can go there, and they will take care of you. You know, it might not be the environment you want to be in, but there and there, I know there are various grades of care, but you you can find yourself, you know, dedicating time getting some bang for your insurance buck getting the care you need same thing with the rehab and I thought it was interesting that he said you could take you know, we're so fucking stressed out these days that there's so many people that are treating their, their coping however they must whether that's with drugs or alcohol or eating or um, taking out their frustrations on other people or whatever their, whatever their situation is whatever their poison is how cool would it be if you were just feeling yourself like going into a, you know, a bad area, a, uh, a rough patch in life that you could just say, I'm going to go away for the next month and I'm going to do art and I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat clean food, I'm going to get therapy, I'm going to, you know, adjust my medication, whatever the hell it is. You are trying to break free from a negative pattern in your life and rise above whatever challenges you have. In my friend's case, it's drugs, hard drugs. You know? And all this time, my friend has been using been working, been raised, been raising a family, been, you know, part of his community, but he's been living this kind of double life where he's had to, he's felt compelled, he was addicted, so he was always using, spending a lot of time procuring and using drugs, spending a lot of money, you know, I could have, he could have a good retirement going right now. Sure, the story is well beyond what I'm. You know, he's very honest with me. But this is my friend. So he shared that he was not. He was going to be leaving Massachusetts and coming to Pennsylvania for a place. He's like, "Is this near you?" And it just so happens, it's ten minutes down the road. The rehab. It's it's not far from me. He stays in a. Uh, townhome provided by the rehab and a bunch of other people who you know, similar problems that stay there and every day they get picked up and they go and they do this rehab and on the weekends they have off and so Saturday morning when I woke up and headed out the door you know, to check out the office and to just kind of prepare myself physically and mentally for a return to to my weekly daily schedule I immediately called my friend I was a little bit reluctant because you know we all have our own stresses our own commitments our own challenges in life and I'm you know I'm a helper talking about how it feels so good to help people it's so rewarding, it's also a little bit of an addiction of mine maybe 
but I want to be there for people. You know, I like to do that. I like to be there for people. And so people are usually there for me, hopefully, if I ever am in need. So I immediately called my friend and told him I'll pick him up and we went to my office and we worked around the office. I gave him an adjustment and he helped me do some things, plant some flowers. We went out to lunch. We took a nice walk, dropped him off, picked him up this morning. We did some wood carving. We made a bunch of pine kins. I made a tiki, a tiki that is a haka tiki. Not unlike the one that I made a couple years ago, where it's got a, you know, it's got a menacing look, kind of angry, kind of motivated, kind of um, tongue sticking out. You ever see that haka? It's that ceremonial dance that the New Zealanders use. You see some rugby teams do the haka, where there's a bunch of, a bunch of lines, a bunch of rows of... Um, of individuals and they're all dressed kind of like scantily clad with loincloths and feathers and war paint and stuff like that and they take their tongues out and they they're trying to make like real scary ugly menacing faces and it's all about warding like focusing focusing their mental and their physical embodying like a warrior spirit that they're, you know, trying to ward off any sort of bad vibes, any sort of stressors, any, anything negative. So it's even though it looks, you know, they're smacking their, their thighs and their elbows and their chest and they're, you know, they're moving around coordinated. It's like a show of force. You know, we used to do this in the Marines when we pull into a port on our big Navy vessels and with our, you know, helicopters and jets and camouflage and you know, lean and mean bodies and all of our armament we'd show up with our gray vessels and our uniforms and their show of force was we would we would just pull into the port and it was like whoa wow look who's in town watch out you know and we would float around the Mediterranean or the Black Sea or whatever in a show of force just trying to demonstrating our military might. And so, too, do the uh, these indigenous people of New Zealand or wherever. It's, a, it's become a ceremonial dance, but I think it's uh, New Zealander natives, Polynesians maybe do something like that. Various cultures have this sort of thing. But this tiki is a, is a haka tiki. So it's got its tongue out. It's got some, you know, kind of a... It's teeth bared. Some real sharp and aggressive features on it. And I have a cool um, fern, a foxtail fern, up at the top of it, which I'm going to carve out a little headdress, a little nook in the, in the posterior of the, uh, the head of this haka tiki so that you can put a plant back there. So I showed my buddy the basics of carving a pinekin and the tools that I use. And let me tell you something. This guy from the he he knew more about power tools and their proper use and you know anything 
constructed construction, how things work, fixing cars. He knew all that shit. So intensely um, inclined, mechanically inclined. Oh my god, he just knows how to fix things. He knows how to make things work. He his he forgot more about using these tools than I've ever learned. And so I told him because he's so so used to doing this stuff. Like from the time that we were um, boys, teenage boys, he was out there using all these tools and helping out in various capacities. The, the, his family working in, in mechanical uh, capacities. So anyway, I said, listen, my rules, you know, my carving, my yard, my rules. You're wearing, we're wearing our PPE, we're doing our, you know, I'm going to give you some work boots, all that stuff. I instructed him on how to, you know, my expectations, to, to use these tools safely. But he found it therapeutic. We both did. I got to carve with one of my best friends growing up who's in need right now. We needed something to focus on, and he found it therapeutic. I think we both did. And so that was wonderful. That was a great opportunity today. Oh, nice red-tailed hawk. We had the opportunity to spend some time together and uh, make some art. And so as I pull into my driveway in another 10 minutes, I'll see the Hakatiki and three um, beautifully made pinekins that uh, my buddy did. And, and while we were at work, and he showed me some different things, um, methods, like he innovated. Well, try this maybe. How about with this tool, try that. Uh, one of the things that I do when I make my pinekins, I gotta make sure that the base of the, of the pine, of the, of the piece is flat. And I'm, uh, so that it rests, stands up. It's like a, basically a two-dimensional pumpkin that made out of a pine tree, right? Out of a slice. So you cut it's flat in the bottom and you know, just do it by eye and uh, a chainsaw. So sometimes it's not quite flush, flat. He took it and rubbed it across he cut it and then he rubbed it a couple times across the uh, my driveway and he looked at the bottom of the pinekin and there was a black mark and you see, see, that's the area that's sticking up. That's what you need to, to sand. I thought, so fucking ingenious. Such a basic, you know, common sense hack that comes from experience and intuition uh, being a craftsman for his entire life. And so I taught him some things. He was respectful, asking what I thought about his work. And I showed him how I do it, and he he just went with it, and I did my tiki, and he did the pinekins, which is an introductory chainsaw carving project, and uh, we just had, we went down the creek with Bogey, and took a dip, and we talked, and we spent time together, and he had dinner with me and my family, and I'm going to see him, he's going to be 10 minutes away from my home and office for the next... 30 days maybe and so I have an opportunity to have him in my life and my family was very welcoming 
and supportive. So I think that he felt good about it, and I feel great about it. You know, that I had the opportunity to spend with him. I'm going to call him Sonny Bono. I'll tell you why. Talking about the stories that this gentleman had. So, talk about a free spirit. Sonny Bono, my friend, figuratively, he, as I said, he grew up basically barefoot in the Pine Barrens, walking around the sand and gravel and with pine needles and pine cones and in and out of creeks and working on cars and riding dirt bikes and just, he grew up basically like a hillbilly from the Pine Barrens, it's called a piney so he was a piney a real piney and it was we would always go out and spend time there stay over there Frankly, their house was a place where you could go and be free. You know, so Sonny is a he's free. He's a free man in terms of the way he lives his life. And so he basically, as I said, he can fix anything, he can work on anything, he can um he's very talented, he can earn a good living with these skills that he has. He was also given to some, so the rules were very lax growing up out there, both as a piney and with his, at his house. His parents were great people, wonderful, supportive, loving, but basically he and his brothers and sister, they lived however they wanted to live wild place they grew up in, and they lived kind of a wild, free life, and I, 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 I was drawn to that, so I would spend as much time as there, out there as I could, and we'd all walk around bare feet, <laughs> swim in the creeks and canoe, and just laugh and carry on, have a great time together, so... I think as a, that this continued, this is a, a theme, an overlying, the overarching theme in Sonny Bono's life is that freedom, you know, a, a, a lax lifestyle, fly by the seat of your pants, um, this is how, you know, taking, taking risks living how you want to live. He's, he's done that for his entire adult life. Told me about a time when he was probably 20, late 20s, maybe maybe 30s, where he went and stayed with a friend who would work in um, Lake Tahoe at a ski resort work there in the winters and so he went out there and slept on the guy's couch 
for a couple months. Just lived there and worked there eventually. And would get the, the choice, choiciest, you know, the passes, all these skiing passes and shit like that. To all that resu- that ski resort and then all the adjacent ones. So that was one of the clear benefits of being uh, an employee of a ski resort. I know a lot of people, I've known a bunch of people who've done that. Been a ski bump, you, you know, hand out, you know, lift tickets or work in a ski resort somewhere and you, you get to ski as much as you want. And you meet people and you, you party and the whole nine yards. So he goes out there and sleeps on his friend's couch for a couple months. Loves it. Was going down this, uh, you know, if it snowed one point, it just snowed like 10 feet, like in a weekend or a week or whatever. And he would go down these mountains in the, in the most pristine powder, best skiing, snowboarding conditions you could find. And he'd fly down these hills. He says not necessarily um, doing tricks, but just really carving down and enjoying that, that ride. So he would go faster than anybody else, and there were trees. And he, said, he explained that as you slalom around these trees at a high rate of speed in this pristine powder, but there would be these these bare areas around the fir trees, the base of them. Can you imagine that? Because all the snow, it gets caught by the, the boughs of these you know, evergreens. But at the base, it's like a, a, like a donut, a bare area. And you don't want to, they're deep, and there's no snow there, so you don't want to wind up falling into one of these holes while you're skiing. So it's like a game. You gotta avoid this, or you, you, know, you fall in there, you crash, you get hurt. So he found this one tree. He kept going around. That it seemed like the slope would guide him to this this particular tree in this hazardous area. And uh, he had some near misses there on quite a few occasions. So then he went back and he was talking to his buddies about. It. He's like, "Yeah, this tree over there. I keep coming close to it. I man, I almost wiped out a few times." And he said, well, you know what that tree is, right? You know the significance of that tree? And of course, the significance was that's what Sonny Bono face-planted into while skiing in Lake Tahoe. That's how he died, right? So, <laughs> it's the quintessential, the guy that I'm talking about. If you knew him, and all the risks that he takes and how impulsive that he is, that would make perfect sense that he almost face-planted into the same tree that uh, Sonny Bono died at, you know, just... And that's one story of countless, of how, you know, he was jumping off of a cliff somewhere, or is he, you know, uh, mountain biking doing downhill mountain biking or any number of skateboarding, you know, I just lent him my longboard, so he's carving around the local streets 
where he's attending this rehab. And I would not change, here's the thing, I would not change any of that about him. I love him so much. I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with him. And I'm trying to be supportive as I possibly can. I wouldn't change that he is a thrill seeker and that he lives on the edge. I mean, that's who he is. That's how he he operates. I, I wouldn't change it completely. I mean, this last, you know, what circumstances that wound him up in this current rehab uh, regimen, they're pretty significant. I'm not going to share them. Pretty scary stuff, though. I certainly don't want him to do anything like that again. I don't want him to be in a situation like that. I want him to be able to abstain from from these substances so that he can focus on the, the good that he can do in his life and the life of his family and his friends and people that care about him and for mankind because I think he's a great human being and I'm proud to know him and love him. So I wouldn't want to change everything about him. I would, I, there are some elements, as I'm telling you the Sonny Bono story. I think it's funny. I think it's, it's typical of him, of his behavior, that he would be almost crashing into Sonny Bono's tree. That's who he is now. Should he throttle back? Should he avoid these sorts of situations? Absolutely. You know, should he tone it down? Should he grow up a little bit? Yes. But that little boy in the pine, running around the Pine Barrens, that'll always be a part of him. I applaud anyone who, who tries to keep the little boy or girl within them alive just enough to enjoy this life and to extract some kind of um, satisfaction, to see the humor and the excitement and the, you know, all those things are so important. And many of us live, we get to our 30s or 40s and, you know, have a career and a family and we all but give up, you know, any sort of mountain biking or snowboarding or seeking of excitement, whatever, I mean, this guy, there's so many stories, I've, you know, I, I do my wood carving, and that gives me some, you know, I, I, I do my, um, my gym workout in the gym, but I've had to throttle back, I've had to change things, my behavior, in order to, to adapt to this, the world that I live in, and the skin that I have in the game. like to be, to take a month off so that I could work on myself, so that I could write a book, so that I could, you know, carve the most intricate, uh, meaningful wood carvings possible, uh, so that I could do some home improvements, so I could, you know, maximize my 
time, my relationship with my wife and my kids. I would love to do that. If I could be better across the board, man. I try to squeeze in a gym, a workout here, or a little time in the yard there. I try to do good every day to try to help people. That's my strategy. That's what I do. And that's how I survive. But somebody who's so wild, like my friend Sonny, it's like he's like the guy from Legends of the Fall, Tristan. Was that what he went by? It was Brad Pitt's character who was like, you know, raised in Montana with a father who was like a Civil War hero, maybe. And lives on a ranch and has a brother that went east to get his education and brought a bride back and, you know, they've got Native Americans that are working on the ranch and that they consider family and, you know, Tristan's still out there breaking horses and, uh, you know, busting broncos and hunting, fishing, incredible talent. His, uh, I believe there's one scene in the movie a River Runs Through It was that, was that the movie? is it Legends of the Fall? or a River Runs Through It both excellent movies about that area Montana I think or Legends of the Fall was about the plot line that I told you that I shared and that's worth seeing big time but, but then there's um, A River Runs Through It similar, and it's about fly fishing, and in the tale of two brothers, and a family, and, you know, that one of them was tamed, had adapted to the, the modern world, and the other one would basically, was basically like a, a native, was an animal, was a, was a, uh, a fierce warrior, and a beast, a wonderful heart, passionate, that's, that's who my friend is, that's what he's like, he's like a wild thing, and as an appreciator of wild things, nature, you know, the cosmos, see me and hear me talk a lot about these things and wondering about them and respecting them. I can't help but love and support my friend and accept him for who he is. But I just want the absolute best for him. I want him to abstain from, you know, these substances that have kind of, you know, admitted that they they had hijacked him like he could not stop and that's the one of the aspects of addiction so is there anything that's not good for you that you can't that you do that you can't stop doing or prefer not to stop doing even though know that it's not in your best interest? Is it eating? Is it stressing? Is it drinking? Is it, you know, some sort of 
compulsive behavior. I think that you should be given an opportunity to get help for that, you know? You know how I am one to talk about a lot that things things don't happen for a reason. I don't feel like all this is, there's some grandfatherly creature overseeing everything, looking down into, you know, like a crystal ball, or the earth as a crystal ball, and, you know, is our personal friend, my relationship with my savior, all that stuff. I I cannot stand that simple, simplistic version of, you know, man's construct of religion, but sometimes I I do believe that the things do happen for a reason. For instance, spent a day with my buddy, spent last entire weekend basically with my friend, spent good quality time with him doing healthy things, talking a lot, catching up, and supporting him as I was driving him back to his his residence tonight another friend of mine who I know fairly well I could see him pulling out of a side road and I waved and he knew it was me we slowed down to a red light a person passed me the red light, paused for a moment, waved, and my buddy riding shotgun, is my friend who's navigating this substance abuse issue, and the guy just across space, just in the other vehicle, you know, not too long ago, well, it was what, maybe, maybe 10 years ago now, confided in me his struggles, his situation, his story, which was one of drug addiction and you know it was not a good story it was scary shit there's two people you know there's two of probably many many people that I know that uh, were in this sort of predicament almost identical in fact and they're going to be okay. And we're going to see to it that they're okay. We're going to do our best to support them and love them and accept them. And I'm just, I'm hopeful, you know? And I'm in it. You know, I'm, I'm, I have an opportunity to, to be there for a friend. And for as long as he's in town here, I'm going to consider that a gift and an opportunity to put some points on the board for the protagonists of this world. It's also therapeutic for me because 
I often reflect about my upbringing and my my youth and my friend here is basically he is my youth he was a theme he was one of my people he was part of the little gang of young men and we're always together surf bums carrying on had each other's backs we were closer than close and to have had that to have experienced that in this life is one of the things that I am truly thankful for in my upbringing you know if my if my children could develop friendships that strong like sitting there at my table with my my daughter and my son 13 and 15 respectively and if they can have friendships like I did you know, the people in their life that colored their life beautifully and broaden their experience in this thing called life then I would be overjoyed if they could have that kind of experience so it's it's definitely therapeutic for me as well to be spending time with my friend and so I'm going to enjoy it I'm going to do my very best to support him and ensure that there's the most positive outcome here maybe it won't be from the rehab you know maybe it'll be that he's around somebody that loves him and knows him that is here to support him unconditionally it's not unconditional really I mean I'm hoping to fucking be part of this guy's healing it'll be healing to me to know that one of my friends is gonna make it out of this thing alive and and you know continue to do tremendous things in this world I think Sonny's got a um, he's got a lot of living to do a lot of impact to have on this world and, you know, there's so much. <laughs> People are a wreck, you know. Like, I, I have a sense of what he's had going on, and and, and I'm, I'm sure it's darker than that. I'm sure that, that there's been some, some real craziness that he's, the life that he's led has been one that he's not proud of, you know. Because you do things, and you... Described before, as he told me, shared with me, it takes time away from you know time to do the drugs, time to get the drugs, work you work to make money so you can buy the drugs, you sell things so that you can get the drugs, you hide things, you have a a crazy um, unlock mechanism for your phone so nobody can see your text messages, right? I mean, the conversations that, you know, if you could look at a, if, if you could look from above, like an overview of, of, of how an, an addict's, you know, substance abuser's behaviors and the things that they do and don't do because of that, that control that that substance has upon them, I'm sure it was fucking terrible. I'm just glad he's got an opportunity to change. We all deserve that. You know? 
my friend who's got the equivalent of nine lives, you know, multiples of that, really, he's got another chance. And I'm glad he's got it, and I'm going to do everything that I can to help him. And my expectation is that he honors that. He honors the love and the support of a friend and takes that and does some good things with that. Fixes his own, you know, holes in his own ship and, uh, you know, high tide lifts all boats. His life gets better, he makes other people's lives better. It's an exponential benefit that can result. And so, you know, normally coming back from a 10-day vacation or whatever, I would get a little jittery about uh, going back to the office and finding my rhythm and, you know, making up for lost time and all this stuff. But I feel like I've been working this weekend and it's a different type of wage that I've, I've been making. And it's, it's love. The opportunity to give, you know, somebody whom I have not seen in 10 years. And before that, it was another 10 years, so. I'm honored at the opportunity and the, the reality that he winds up right down the street so my friend who's convalescing from this disease has an opportunity to do so you know, a mere 10 miles maybe from a friend that he grew up with who gives a shit about him and who's committed to uh, influencing him and the situation in the most positive way so I feel good trying to make him feel good. And that is brotherhood. Talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll talk about, uh, I'm sure this will be an ongoing story, but uh, we're going to talk about some of these beautiful destinations that I've gone to and visited on this vacation and some of the things that uh, that I was able to take away from those, those places and interactions with all the people in my midst. Alright? Here comes August.